It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's me, your bookshelf slash other shelves you have in your apartment slash home. I know that you have considered reorganizing me. You keep just throwing stuff all on me willy-nilly and you want to organize me, but it seems like a boring and daunting task. What could make that task less daunting and less boring? How about while you reorganize me, you put on an episode of this podcast? Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, it is the first episode of Potterless in October, meaning that it's donation time. Here at Potterless, each month we take a dollar for every member of our team over at patreon.com slash potterless and donate it to a different charity. And at the time of recording, we have 878 patrons, meaning we'll be giving $878 to Common Cause. Common Cause is working to make the process of voting more democratic from all angles. They are nonpartisan. They are just fighting to expand voting rights, eliminate gerrymandering, and they are even pushing for a popular vote presidential election to get rid of the Electoral College. I think given that this election coming up is very important and a lot of people in power are really trying to do a lot to make it harder for people to vote, I felt very passionately about supporting this cause. If you want to learn more about what Common Cause is doing, you can go to commoncause.org. And I would just say in general for everyone, especially in the U.S., but everywhere, wherever you live, please vote. If you're in the U.S., this election is very important. I would highly encourage you to vote, register to vote, make sure you're registered to vote, sign up for an absentee ballot or vote early. Do something where you vote because it's very important that you do so in this election. It is a monumental one to say the least. So please, 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 please go vote and check out Common Cause if you would like to as well. Second, the beginning chunk of this episode talks about the J.K. Rowling situation pretty directly. Jackson Bird, our guest, is a trans man, and he talks about, from his perspective, everything that's been going on. I think it is an incredibly important discussion that you all should really listen to, but if for any reason this is something that you just can't listen to right now and you just want to get to the Potter Puppet Pal stuff, which is, I will say, much more lighthearted, just skip 12 minutes and 12 seconds past the intro song ending. And finally, let's round out this intro by thanking people who are making this show possible, and that is our new patrons. So shout out to Jill McInnes, Orly Kessem, Sophie Birch, Fanny Sophia Tarkio, John Grant, Camila Pizana, Robin Butner, Brittany Brown, and Lydia. And a huge shout out to our newest producer level patrons, Artemis, and Trans People Are People. How fitting for this episode. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clau, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Zachary, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Maya, Flor, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marcos, Marik, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Lori, Jarl, Pita, Janin, Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Madison, Tonk, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Rossan, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Lior, Demi, Michelle, Callista, Jennifer, Henrique, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerica, Casey, Megan, Sot, Jack, Sophia, Dane, Kirsty, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Daddykins, Alaria, Lori, Gregory, Stan, Kaka, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, Ashley, Ravenclaw, Gavin, Jack, Serenity, Emily, Haley, Sabrina, Sean, Jenna, Laura, Mazeltov, Eileen, Annette, Kirsten, Hufflepuff, Brett, Hunter, Mary, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never gets stuck on the toilet with no toilet paper, they always have squares to spare. If you want to be like one of these 
these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content, such as the bonus episode that I just put up, which was me trying licorice sent to me by a listener named Harper, who sent me this actually tasty Australian black licorice. Gotta give you credit for it. It was good. So if you want to hear me eat my own words and licorice, you can check out that bonus episode as well as director's commentary, exclusive merchandise, and more. You can get all of that at patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 146 of Potterless covering Potter Puppet Pals with Jackson Bird. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult, but as a kid, he definitely watched the YouTube videos that we'll be talking about today. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and we are here joined today by a previous guest of the show, the author of Sorted. It's Jackson Bird. Jackson, how's it going? It's going as well as it can be these days. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, 2020, you know, was already great because you had to deal with the pandemic, and then someone that you looked up to and was a very important author in your life was like, hey, actually, fuck trans people a whole lot. <laughs> I forgot this was an explicit show. <laughs> but that what you know, <laughs> that is what it felt like she was saying. Uh, yeah, so I am very excited to have you on the show to talk about the actual content we will be discussing, which is Potter Puppet Pals, which you have inside information on, which is exciting. But I think it is good for me and the listeners just from your perspective as a trans man going through this stuff, someone who is a big Harry Potter fan, made Harry Potter content, worked in Harry Potter related fields. I'm sure you've had to explain this a lot, but like, how is this making you feel? And also, just in case people don't understand... From your perspective, so that I am not speaking on your behalf, why is what JK is doing harmful and why should we all shame it like most of me and my colleagues have been doing? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think at this point, it's a little bit like <laughs> it's perplexing that she's still going on. I saw someone refer to it as like one of the most bewildering self-takedowns of someone's personal brand ever. Just the fact that she has stuck to her guns and not made any apologies whatsoever. But that sort of is in line with the kind of movement, I guess is an okay word for it, that she has aligned herself with. So the, the views that she's been expressing on Twitter and in her 3600 word diatribe essay that she wrote um, earlier this summer, she's been aligning herself with this movement of people that have existed since at least like the 80s. Um, and it's people who are ostensibly feminist, but exclude trans women and other trans people in their feminism, which in my book would not really make you a feminist because that's all about the equality of genders. And uh, anyways, essentially, J.K. Rowling is, is just denying the realities of trans people's experiences. Um, and here and there, because she is, as we know, an amazing writer and really great at rhetoric, she will say things like, oh, no, no, I support trans people or I know trans people kind of pulling the I have a black friend card. A great card to pull, right? No <laughs> one's ever <laughs> no one's ever been criticized for pulling that card. Yeah. But, you know, in the same <laughs> breath, she will um, say things like, oh, we welcome trans men into our women's spaces because they are natal females. And <laughs> trans men are like, uh, no, we don't we do not want to be in that space, nor do we feel like we should infringe on women's spaces. And the biggest thing that she's been doing, um, both in the stuff that she is saying and now in the announcement of her new book, the latest installment in the Robert Galbraith series, is equating trans women with men in dresses and with predatory behavior. That's sort of been the crux of what she's talking about. And even if she wants to try to say, oh, I'm not talking about trans women, I'm talking about cisgender men 
who would like to do that kind of thing so that they can take advantage of women and children. And you always know it's good when someone's pulling the women and children line because that's the only line they have to pull. <laughs> but one that is perpetuating a lot of the the very dangerous stereotypes about trans women, that they are just men in dresses, in costumes, and not the women that they are. It's a dangerous stereotype that's been going on for years and perpetuated by every type of media for generations. And it is a thing that directly leads to the extraordinary amount of murders of trans women that happen around the world. Um, and so to perpetuate that kind of thinking from someone who has such a huge global influence like J.K. Rowling does is very worrying. Um, and, that you know, that's part of what's complicated about all of this, too, is, you know, she could have these opinions privately or even hint at them sometimes, and we would already have to be assessing our complicated relationship with the creator of this series that we love so much, like we have to do for so many other pieces of media out yeah, there, sure. um, you know, classic works and stuff. And like we've had to do with J.K. Rowling in the franchise in the past with other other things that have come up. But, you know, it's it's different these days compared to a couple of decades ago or with authors who are not on Twitter. That's sort of the thing is she is so present and she is so out there and she's sticking to her opinions so much that it makes it a lot harder to try to like ignore it or, you know, yeah, pretend that she's not having, having these ideas. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's really disappointing because there's first of all, just trying to separate the art from the artist. And I think for a lot of Harry Potter fans, trans and not like, it's too painful to even engage with Harry Potter at all anymore. And then there's also the fact that it's really painful to see someone that you might have grown up admiring, like saying that she doesn't like people like you. That's tough. Yeah. That's a really tough pill to swallow. And it really, really hurts. But then there's also, you know, like I said, just the level of her influence, the amount of money that she has to give to certain causes um, and her impact as an influential figure with a huge Twitter following and just being so well known around the world, what she says has a lot of impact. And it's already been used by legislators here in the U.S. Uh, as a basis for their discriminatory policies that they're trying to pass. So, yeah, it's already having really real effects and it's going to continue to. So it's just it's frustrating. It's painful and it's annoying because, like you said, Harry Potter has been a huge part of my life for you know two thirds of my life. I'm 30, you know, since I was like 10. <laughs> I've worked in it professionally. My memoir is literally titled as a nod to Harry Potter. There's Harry Potter stuff throughout my entire book. So it's it's tough. And I'm sure it's tough for you and anyone else who works in sort of the Harry Potter media and fan communities who make a living off of Harry Potter. And suddenly there's a lot of people throwing Harry Potter away and it's too painful for them to engage with it. And we can't blame them for that at all. But like, yeah, there's literally small businesses being impacted by yeah. her, you know, let alone the real people who are hurting and going to be hurt more from her opinions. There's also a lot of small businesses being impacted. So I don't know. It's just a lot of ripples. I, I've been going on for a while, but there's a lot to say. Look, I would like to think this is the right move of letting the actual person affected by the situation speak about it. So please go on. But yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, it's been hard for me, but I can only imagine it's been much harder for you because in addition to creating all of the stuff and just like having to do with Harry Potter, you have the extra next level of being the subject and the recipient of this hatred from JK. I think you make a good point about 
her size of the audience factors into the situation. I think what makes what she's doing different than just someone sharing opinions is that these opinions are telling people that they are wrong about how they identify themselves. And that feels very wrong. And like you're telling people they don't have value. And then also she has over 14 million followers on Twitter. So I feel like that makes it a whole different ballgame than just, oh, freedom of speech. She's sharing her opinion. Like it's different. She's not saying, oh, I don't like vanilla ice cream. She's saying this person is wrong about how they believe themselves to be like they, this person is wrong in how they view their identity. And that feels way more harmful. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, and, you know, I will also say the movement, um, you know, some people call them TERFs, trans exclusionary radical feminists, a lot of they call themselves gender critical or whatever. But, you know, anyone who sort of is in that realm, they've worked very hard for years to perfect a certain form of double speak. And so when you try to dive into like what they're saying, what they actually care about, sometimes it sounds very reasonable. It can be a little tough to parse out exactly what's going on. Um, And so it can be a difficult thing to understand and to discuss. But what I would say is, you know, that's only if you want to go on a deeper level to it. The first level should be what is the vulnerable population they're, they're speaking about? They're speaking about trans people. Okay, what are trans people saying about this? Trans people are saying that's not my experience. This is incorrect. And I just think that you should listen to the like targeted vulnerable population and just just respect and believe what they're saying. And so watching people unable to do that, and particularly J.K. Rowling, unable to listen to the thousands, probably millions of trans fans who have reached out to her over the months and years. Yeah, it's it's tough and it's a little bewildering. Yeah. Well, I commend you for sticking through with it and for using your voice for good. I, you had that incredible episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text where you talked with them and a lot of trans and non-binary Harry Potter Sacred Text listeners. I highly recommend everyone listen to that, but I think uh, what you are doing in this space right now to speak up, which unfortunately every time this happens, which is now like a weekly occurrence, JK on Sunday night's like, ah, oh, crack the knuckles. I haven't tweeted out any <laughs> bullshit in a week. Let me just do this. And then, yeah, with the book, the her new book is revealed that the villain is a cis man that dresses up as a woman and then kills people. So it's just... It's just new stuff every week, it seems, and I am sorry that you're in this position, but (laughs) I am glad that you are – I I don't want to say making the most of it, but like I constantly see you standing up on Twitter for what is right, and I think it's important for people – in this moment to have those voices to lean on. And I think what you said makes the most sense is listen to the people who are actually offended by what is happening and then take them at their word for it. It seems obvious. Like, it seems like a really easy (laughs) decision to make. I don't get why this is like, oh, we should listen to the people that say that this is offensive. Like, I don't get why that is a discussion topic. It feels like a no-brainer. Right. I get people wanting to understand the facts and do their research and stuff. And to that, I would say... Yes, that's great. And also, you know, J.K. Rowling claims that she did, but she didn't cite like there were no actual citations in her essay. And uh, (laughs) the ones she implied are all like debunked studies. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's symptomatic of this culture of misinformation and distrust and like conspiratorial thinking. It's yeah, it's a big problem that we're facing right now as a society. And this is one element of it that has been around for decades, but especially in the UK has really been mobilizing and strengthening over recent years. Uh, And it's really unfortunate to see J.K. Rowling having fallen prey to that. As for her new book, uh, (laughs) she did say like in her big essay that she was doing a lot of this research for a book she was writing. So I've just been waiting for like the other shoe to drop on like, okay, what's it going to be? The villain in this one is a cis man who's a serial killer and he kills 
like sneaks into places by dressing up as a woman. So again, it's the whole conflating thing. And, you know, I've already been seeing people be like, well, clear it's a man not a trans woman so therefore it's not transphobic but like again it's perpetuating this idea of you know a man in a dress is a trans woman kind of thing Mm -hmm. and if anyone wants to sort of understand that on a little bit deeper of a level or a more emotional level i highly recommend the documentary disclosure Ooh, i'll have to check it out yeah it premiered in june on netflix um and it's a very comprehensive history of trans representation in media like going back to the early 20th century in film and speaks to a number of trans actors and filmmakers and activists about their personal experiences and also just sort of on a a more intellectual level of the damage and occasional good that media representation can do for trans people um and actually on their social media they they pull down a clip specifically on this topic showing some clips from Psycho and some other classic movies that do exactly what this book is doing. So if you want even just a teaser of that, you can look up Disclosure Documentary Social Media. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And now on a completely 180 of a turn <laughs> from thing that makes us very sad to silly thing that makes us very happy, let's talk about Harry Potter Puppet Pals. Yes. And, you know, it's, it is a... But th- this is what I keep telling people is like, I love the things that have been made about Harry Potter. I love fan creations. Like, this is where the magic and the love and the joy has always been for me i was sharing with you before we were recording that the potter (laughs) puppet pals actually had like the best response to jk rowling in her december tweets uh they just replied in all caps boo (laughs) that's now pinned to their twitter page so like if you're going to see them on twitter you know absolutely where they stand on this issue and i actually think that's a very clever way to do that Mm -hmm. for those of us who create harry potter media in case there is any doubt from anyone it's like this is their stance yeah well that is very good now you have a bit of a history with the creators of i keep wanting to call them a very potter puppet pals (laughs) now that would be a crossover (laughs) you are tight with the creators of Potter Puppet Pals. I didn't even realize until later in life, oh, it's Neil, the same guy who did some other very different YouTube videos and music things that I love. What is your history with the creators of the series? I like to say we're mutual friends with Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's That tends to be my shorthand for anyone in the fan community. Um, gosh, I'm trying to even remember. Oh, actually, I do remember how I met them now. So they are a part of the crew that often performs with Harry and the Potters, full stop, but also particularly at Harry and the Potters Yule Balls. Mm-hmm. Um, so every Christmas, Harry and the Potters, up and down the East Coast, they host these like Christmas-themed shows, and they get a bunch of different wizard rock bands or just like local bands, and the Potter Puppet Pals often perform live. Some proceeds of the show go to the Harry Potter Alliance. And I used to work for the Harry Potter Alliance as their spokesperson, which meant that I would sometimes travel with Harry and the Potters to all of the Yule Balls so I could sort of run the merch table and talk about the HPA. And so there was, I guess, the first one of those I was doing, I was just thrown into Harry and the Potters van with a whole bunch of like people from random (laughs) bands. You know, there's like nine of us in there. I've met some of them, haven't met others. And I'm like sitting in between who I didn't really realize at the time was Neil Ciceriga and Alora Lanzalotta, two of the creators of the Potter Puppet Pals. And I was editing a video for the Harry Potter Alliance for which I had been provided some like photos and graphics that like, I didn't know where they came from. I was just, you know, my coworkers gave them to me to make this video. And Neil's like kind of half asleep and he wakes up and he looks at my laptop screen and he's like, is that my nephew? (laughs) Neil and I don't know each other. And I'm editing this picture of a little baby dressed up as Harry Potter that apparently is his nephew. And I had no idea. Uh, And it was because our mutual friend who was my coworker who had given me the graphics to edit 
knew Neil and had that picture. Um, and so, yeah, my first meeting with them was a little bit creepy on my part. <laughs> That's wonderful. What a first impression to make. Yeah. You know, after that uh, bad first impression, we did all become friends. And so, yeah, I've just known Neil and, and Emmy and Alora. Um, for a number of years, and I have performed with them a few times. I think I might be one of the only humans to be in a live Potter Puppet Pals sketch. Oh, put that on the resume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've helped him out with a, a number of things and collaborated with him over the years. And last December, that was my first time actually puppeteering with them at a live show. That's so fun. Yeah. So let's get into the actual stuff, the videos themselves. Now, I thought that the first video was the oldest one on Neil's YouTube channel, which is the potions class one. But you say that they predated YouTube? Oh, yeah. What is the deal with the hat? I don't know where you were. Aren't we about the same age? Aren't you like 30? Yes, I am 28 years old. Maybe that two years is very crucial because I remember I in seventh that, that grade. That some big stuff. <laughs> I remember showing up at school in seventh grade and all of a sudden everyone was going bother, bother, bother because that was the very first uh, Potter Puppet Pals flash animation just on, you know, a random flash website. I don't even remember how I used to navigate there. I used web archive to find it this time. Like funnyjunk.com and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but they had so they had two flash animation videos, I guess you'd still call them. Um, you know, and it was very much like a what was that like Badger one and like oh, Homestar yeah, Runner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was that whole class of things. Microsoft Paint looking mm -hmm. animated stuff. Yeah, so that's how there were there were two on there. I think there was like an Easter egg in one or both of them that you could also follow. Yeah, for me it was just very much a part of like middle school culture. Everyone knew them. We watched them a million times, and then eventually it went to YouTube. I mean, YouTube didn't exist when they were first put up as flash right. animation, <laughs> and I I believe. And this is just from what I've heard over the years. I don't know the full details, but I think one of the reasons that they decided to make live versions, like physical versions of the puppets, was because they had met Harry and the Potters, the Wizard Rock Band, the OG Wizard Rock Band, uh, and sort of proposed to them like, hey, we're thinking of making like physical versions of the puppets. If we did that, could we perform with you? And Harry and the Potters were like, uh, heck yeah. That's so great. So I think that was a, a large reason why they actually made the physical ones when they migrated to YouTube uh, instead of continuing to just do the Flash animation. I've got to imagine, too, that like the Flash animation, as basic as it was, took a very long time. Right. Like Both versions are, are very intensive and work-heavy, but not being an animator, it seems like the animation <laughs> one would take a lot more. When people create stuff like that on computers, I am just baffled. Even as someone that has created and I did YouTube videos and now we do all the podcast stuff, to me doing stuff like that, like some of the video editing and anything drawing or animated just feels impossible. Yeah, no, same. I, <laughs> Kudos to anyone. <laughs> I can't draw at all, so I feel exactly the same. I'm very impressed by people who can. Mm -hmm. So the first video that at least you can find on Neil's YouTube channel is the potions class one. And it's very different than the classic ones that I think people remember basically the ticking noise one because instead of having a whole puppeteer's stage and curtains and everything, it's just them behind a couch which felt just like wonderfully nostalgic of like things that I would have to do as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised when I looked back at that one too and I was like, oh my gosh, where's the puppet theater? Yeah, it's very different. And I had never seen this one until I had done a little deep dive of research for this. And I will say, I think that the other ones that we'll be talking about in this episode are very good. I didn't find this one particularly funny. Aside from like making fun of the way Snape talks and goes on in monologue, it wasn't like filled with goofs by any means. Yeah, I was struck by that a little bit too. I couldn't remember if I had seen it or not, but I, I was just like, oh, this is 
moving a little bit more slowly than other puppet videos. You know, and I wonder if that was a little bit of the switch in the medium. Like, you know, when they did the animation, there was a lot more time to sort of like plan things out. And as you're editing and animating, maybe changing things up and and even just like the world of flash animation was such this like beautiful time of weird, chaotic internet humor. End of Z world on repeat. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. I, I do feel like the, the potions class video lost a little bit of that. And maybe it was just sort of all of the different practical elements and intimidations of making the physical puppets for the first time. Mm-hmm. The few notes that I do have though from it are that Snape just continually monologues and you get great interjections from Ron where he says, is this the whole class? And there's an organ in the background the whole time Snape talks, which I absolutely love. (laughs) But two of the lines that I wrote down because I thought they were funny were Snape says the cool feminine curves of a potions flask and the titillating scent of a fresh elixir. So I just like that. Basically, this whole video serves just to make fun of the way Snape talks. And I appreciate that, but uh, I think the other videos are more worth deep diving into. Yeah, I would agree. Although, yeah, definitely a lot more innuendos than I remembered than when I watched when I was a little bit younger. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's stuff that you just, as a kid, you're like, ha it's funny. And then when you're older, you realize, oh, this was all sexual innuendos. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one is, I think, the second most popular. It's the Wizard Angst video. It definitely feels like it is centered around making fun of Book 5 Harry, which, sure, Harry had PTSD, but also, let's make fun of him for for being a grumpy boy like he is, you know. Yeah, no, (laughs) absolutely. And it is kind of funny, like, how well uh, the Potter Puppet Pals are kind of able to strike a tone of, like, making fun of something while also not quite disparaging it. Like I just, even the fact that he's self-aware and he's like, I'm suffering from like angst and pubescence. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, what self-aware teenager is going to say that? But also like true, like in addition to the trauma Harry experienced in the books, like he was a teenager. And I still believe that part of the reason so many of us were annoyed by that was because it was too real because we were also teenagers and angry <laughs> and we did, we were not self-aware enough to realize that. See, for me, it was different because I read it and I was like 26. So I was just, oh, oh these right. teen- I just didn't want to bother with a moody teen. (laughs) So the video starts, as you mentioned, very self-aware. He says, I feel cranky and pubescent today, and I don't know why. And then he groans very loudly and says, I'm going to take it out on people I like. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so so self-aware. I love it. So then Ron comes in, who might be my favorite character in all of these Potter Puppet Pal videos. Just the expression on the Ron puppet's face, as well as the voice being so incredibly high-pitched and innocent... I really enjoy this depiction of Ron. So Ron comes in and he says, what sort of tomfoolery shall we get up to today, Harry? And Harry says, no tomfoolery today, Ron. I'm sick of your dreadful speckled mug. And then there's just a dramatic zoom in on Ron's face (laughs) and it pauses for a beat and he just very softly says, why must you hurt me in this way, Harry? (laughs) It's so good. Uh, It's perfect. Hermione comes to Ron's defense, asking what Harry's problem is. And Harry says, my parents are dead, my life sucks, and I can't hold down a girlfriend, and I'm surrounded by fucking goblins and shit. All of the time, I mean, what the fuck? Of course, these are bleeped, because it was 2006 on YouTube, and that was something that we all had to do. Ron tries to convince Harry that this is okay, because everything's all magical, and it should be fine. But Harry says that he has nightmares of Dobby eating his skin clean off every night. And this was like... I definitely watched these videos when I was younger. I have forgotten the gruesome details such as this. Yeah, I mean, the things that Neil comes up with uh, sometimes are just like, that is 
Gross, man. Like, where did that come from in your brain? <laughs> Harry says that he quits magic, and then Hermione asks who will fight you-know-who. And Harry says that it's all up to Ron now, and Ron does not want to do this at all. Harry says, come on, now go fight him, and pushes him aside. I do love the, the little audio things that happen in these videos are so great. And when he pushes Ron over, there's a little shwoo of the motion of him going. And then throughout every single video, Neil, which makes sense, he's a music nut and he did the Mouth Sounds trilogy, but in the videos, I don't know what the technical term is, but like if someone's on the left of a video, they're in your left headphone. And if someone's mm. on the right of a video, they're in your right headphone. I would recommend everyone go back and watch these with headphones on. It's a whole different experience. I am a huge fan of the Mouth Sounds trilogy, by the way. Like if you if you don't know what that is and you're listening, please do yourself a favor and go listen to them. But yeah, just the like the Foley and the sound effects. I was rewatching the Apparatus like music video sketch and the sound effect when Harry apparates it's just so satisfying I think it's similar <laughs> to the one you were just talking about of when Ron moves across the screen but like or the stage I suppose it's just such a good one yeah it's really solid the mouth sounds for anyone unaware is it's it's a world where all-star by smash mouth invades every single song and then the second one is Mouth Silence, which is like, no there's a whole like lore to it and everything. There's no all-star. They're very good. It's basically just a lot of all-star remixes and they're very solid. Yeah. yeah and all, just like huge, like late 90s nostalgia hits. It's some really good stuff. Hey, this is Editing Mike with a correction that Past Mike could not have seen coming. In between recording and posting this episode, Neil Ciceriga actually released a fourth Mouth album. So instead of a trilogy, it's a quadrigy. Yep, mm -hmm, that's a word. It's called Mouth Dreams, and you can check it out at neilcic.com slash mouthdreams. Anyway, back to the podcast. After Ron does this swoosh, he pans into the next scene over where it's him and Voldemort. And Voldemort, which is also a great character, the Voldemort depiction in these is very fun, says, hello little child and then Ron whimpers and Voldemort says you want a piece of me or what and then Ron whimpers and says no sir and then runs away and Voldemort says yeah you run away and then he turns forward and just very softly says kid <laughs> I just like that Voldemort's just hanging out there it's not like when he comes the end of the year no no he's just there hanging it's part of the same fun that made a very Potter musical really fun is that Voldemort is just kind of normalized, if you will. So Voldemort's just there. Like, he's just in Hogwarts, I assume. Like, he's down the hallway, if we're thinking about this logistically. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, both for Very Potter Musical and Potter Puppet Pals, that makes them work comedically, is that the true evil characters are made more neutral. They're, like, sort of brought down from how evil they are. They're made kind of just, like, funny and normal. But then the main characters, like Harry are made a little bit more evil. Yeah, for sure. People are always like, when's there going to be a Draco puppet? Like, bring Draco, bring Draco. But one of the big reasons that they've never done a Draco puppet with one, like, kind of jokey exception is because Harry kind of fulfills the Draco role. Like, he's kind of an asshole, the pup puppet Harry. <laughs> so you don't need a Draco. But yeah, I think you really hit on something there of why the comedy works. It's fun. I really enjoy it. I also enjoy the way that the Voldemort puppet is made because it's more true to book form, where one of the things... I remember reading the book and then being sad they didn't do this in the movie is specifically the book says he has red eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And the puppet has red eyes too. So I was always upset that it felt like in the books he looked more like a snake than the depiction in the movies where he's just kind of like a slightly green bald guy without a nose. Yeah, now I'm trying to think. Like I'm trying to line up in my head the release of Goblet of Fire, which would have been the first time we saw Voldemort in the movies. And that would have come out in like 2003-ish maybe? 
something like that. You were literally asking. No, the wrong Goblet person. of Fire was way later. <laughs> okay. Goblet of Fire was like yeah, two thousand. I don't. But anyways, at any. So it, I did. I did Google. I did Google because the YouTube videos came out in two thousand six, and Order of the Phoenix, the book, released in two thousand three. Because I was oh. wondering if this video was a direct response to Order of the Phoenix coming out. I can do a quick Google here. Uh, 2005. 2005. So this would have been right before. And that's what I was trying to remember is like if Voldemort's in, because he's in at least one of the Flash animation ones, and that was from like 2003. So they really are basing it on the books, not on the movie. I think that's really cool. I think that's fun. I like when depictions are different than exactly how they were done in the movie. I feel like the Snape here is very much an Alan Rickman Snape, but I do still enjoy Snape in these. Oh, yeah. So Ron comes back into the scene, tells Hermione that he can't do this, and Hermione says, it's okay, you tried your best. And then, again, another audio thing, it's just very distant, and only in your left headphone you hear a very tiny angst. <laughs> angst angst and then you cut and it's louder and it's harry just banging his head against the wall saying angst repeatedly <laughs> which is just the perfect depiction of it you go back to hermione and ron and ron suggests maybe he's in love and then suggests maybe he wants a hug and harry says he doesn't want a hug and then they get to do which i do love the puppet bits of humor they just slap each other in the puppet way of just <laughs> rotating the hands back and forth and the loose arms just hitting each other in the face and it goes on for like 10 seconds it's wonderful <laughs> yeah what's great about that is that's pretty much all the puppets can do <laughs> like, maybe if you don't mind i i can distill some of the uh myths about what the puppets are actually like in reality i would love it because it is hard to tell how big they are and yeah how they function etc people who see them in in like live shows are always shocked how big they are. A lot of people think they're finger puppets. Oh no, I, I can definitely tell they're hand puppets, especially because in the beginning when they hold up a sign, it's like a sign. Yep. So that makes sense. I have seen them live at one of the Leaky Cons I was at, but I didn't know if they made especially larger ones for Leaky Con because they're farther away on the stage, etc. No, there have only ever been one set of puppets made, with one small wow. exception that is also an interesting story that I, <laughs> I could tell in a minute. But please, Oh, please um, share. Yeah, they are. I, I mean, I guess they're about like a foot tall or something, but they're also they're just on sticks except for Hagrid. And so you just like you hold a stick. So your mm. hand is like up inside of the puppet holding a stick and then you can't see the stick. You just see like someone's wrist or whatever. Normal puppets, you're doing some type of like you can move maybe their mouth or you can move their hands and stuff like a marionette or when you you know put your fingers into the arms or something of, of a puppet like that. But these ones, it's literally just a stick puppet. And so <laughs> when you're trying to give them any kind of like movement, you know, as they talk and stuff, you can kind of you can turn it a little and you can like kind of make them. Um, we can see each other on video, but I'm trying to explain this in an audio form of like, you kind of move their heads Look, back and forth. Jackson is killing it, everyone. Just phenomenal work, work here. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's so few things that you can do, um, but I think you're right, that has really lent itself to some of the comedy over the years of like, how they just flail around, but really it's because that's about all you can do with the puppets. Right. And something in the credits of this video, which I didn't notice until I was paying attention to stuff, is it says puppets and stage by mom and dad. Did Neil's parents actually make the puppets? Yeah. So his dad made the puppet theater, which is actually just a bunch of like PVC 
that we have to put together every time um, and then has like fabric around it. And that was specifically made so that they could travel, like going on tour with Harry and the Potters and, you know, taking planes to go to conferences and, and places where they would perform. So there's like this big uh, bag that you break it down and all the PVC pipes go into. And then we have to build it every time and you put the fabric back over it. Such a dad move. I love building ridiculous structures with PVC pipes. Yeah. And one thing he added, this got added later. It wasn't an original feature, um, but inside it, there's an armrest now. Oh. Oh, when you yes. you got to put your hand up, you know, f- for live shows, it's sometimes it's like a half hour show because yeah. the way it works too behind the scenes is that Neil does all the voices. He does every single voice. He does every single voice. Whoa. I thought he just did most of them. No, he does all of them. Wow. And when he, you know, in the videos, he can manipulate them a little bit like Hermione gets pitched up. Mm. And so that's actually a challenge for live shows is that Hermione and Harry sound very similar at a live show because he can't pitch Hermione up. Um, so in his, his natural voice, they sound fairly similar. So there's always like, um, you know, we have to consider or he has to consider, not we, I don't, I just hold the puppets on occasion, but he has to consider things like maybe where they're going to be or what scenes they're going to be in. Is there going to be someone else in there? Or like the puppeteers have to be very careful when Harry is talking, Hermione cannot move at all and vice versa. That way the audience is positive. Who's talking at the moment. Wow. The way it works is he built this like software for himself. That's kind of like a teleprompter. So he'll be behind the puppet theater on his laptop and he's got like a headset microphone on and the teleprompter thing also has all of the sound effect and music cues. So it's going through and like highlighting both so he can see as he says the lines and then the other people helping puppeteer can see what puppet is coming up next. And there's sort of like this prop is coming up next because there's usually three people in the theater. And in addition to doing all the voices and cues and everything, Neil is also puppeteering uh, at least one or two puppets or props at the same time. And then you've got the other two people doing that as well. So you will sometimes get assigned a certain character that you're puppeteering, but it's mostly blocked out based on like what character needs to be where with what prop at what time. So there's six hands during any live (laughs) show and then you just got to figure it out from there. But yeah, he still does. It's not pre-recorded at a live show, which people will know on the times when a line has maybe been flubbed or like tech has messed up or something. Cause he's great at ad libbing too. So his dad made the puppet theater, but his mom made the puppets. Oh, cool. And apparently they were very difficult to make Oh, really? because she has just always sworn that she would never make another puppet. So they have to be so careful because if they break one or lose one, like she's not making them again. Uh, and that has, as you might imagine over 14 years of these puppets being around, like they're getting old, they're falling apart here and there and they've traveled all over the country it may be across into europe a few times too like with the puppets so um you know there's it's it's been very risky on occasion i can tell you i found out a few years ago that their skin is made out of bathing suit material what it's this like beige bathing suit fabric <laughs> i guess she found somewhere so that's what their skin is made out of everything else is pretty much felt wow I mean, I guess that is a very clever use because bathing suit material is pretty resilient, like pretty stain-proof and has to be saltwater-proof, obviously. Yeah, I don't know what the reasoning was. Maybe it was just what was on sale, but it definitely works. You know, So their skin looks texturally a little bit different than their clothes. Um, But yeah, the the one time I was saying that there has been another puppet made, and I think I might be, you know, one of them could listen and say that I got this all wrong, but I've heard the story a few times. Come on so the I pod, think, challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just spreading rumors. <laughs> but so what happened, um, are you familiar with the Weezer music video, Pork and Beans? Uh, the song, but no, not the music video. So the music video was 
maybe made in like 2008 or something. And what they did was they got all the viral YouTube videos together oh, for amazing. the video. So they called up like Tayzonde, who did Chocolate Rain, and like the um the shoes. Oh like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. And like Numa Numa and the Daft Punk hands or whatever. Um, they got all of them together and like literally like flew people out to LA because they sort of like recreated the videos, but also had them like singing the pork and beans lyrics. And so I guess Weezer got in touch with the Potter Puppet Pals and asked if they would send some of the puppets. Maybe they invited them as people to go to and they couldn't for some reason. I don't know. But they definitely were like, hey, send us like I think Weezer just assumed they had extras of the puppets, that there wasn't just one set. So they wanted like an extra sent to them. (laughs) The the people behind the Potter Puppet Pals were like, uh, like we just what? We can't do this. We just have the one. And so I think they did convince uh, Nancy Neal's mom to make an extra Dumbledore. And it's, so it's, you know, not as intricate as the others, but it was this extra Dumbledore. They sent it to Weezer. I think there's something to the story of Dumbledore getting lost in the mail at some point. Um, and so maybe missed part of the shoot. And if you watch the video, there is one like small frame towards the very end where Dumbledore is in a shot, but that's it. He's, he's not a major player in the video oh, otherwise. No. And so that happened. And you know, this was, 2008, nine, whatever, when the video came out and, you know, Neil, Laura and me thought that was that, that that was it. And, uh, they never got the extra puppet back, but fortunately they didn't send the real Dumbledore puppet. Yeah. But then many years later, uh, Harry and the Potters were on tour without Potter Puppet Pals, just on tour with other people. And they texted Neil and Alora a picture from the rock and roll hall of fame where sitting in the rock and roll hall of fame among some other artifacts was puppet Dumbledore. What? Yeah, because Weezer had like kept it and I guess donated it with some other stuff to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's, I have no idea, but Puppet Dumbledore is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and wow. that is the only official duplicate puppet in existence. That is so fun. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that something Harry Potter related would make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And of all things, Potter Puppet Bells. That's such a fun story. Holy bananas. Yeah. And the fact that they never had any idea, you know, years and years later, a friend happened to see it. <laughs> Gosh, that is very cool. Well, to continue on back with the rest yes. of this video. Uh, <laughs> Snape comes in and says, what is this rumpus? And Ron says that Harry hit him. Harry says Ron invaded his personal bubble. And Snape says, methinks some severe punishment is in order here. And he says he's like going to drag them by their earlobes to the dungeons where a drunken filch will be awaiting them with a cactus and a croquet mallet. But then Ron and Harry look at each other and then do my new favorite spell, Pantalunius Pupicus. And then Snape <laughs> just has to mumble, oh no, I, I have to leave now. And then he just very slowly leaves the stage that has a whole new <laughs> meaning with uh jk rowling's one revelation about how wizards just have a spell to get rid of it yeah i mean he shouldn't be embarrassed this is just clearly how they used to use the bathroom yeah and snape's so old school i would assume that's how he always does it mm-hmm. it's very normal for him <laughs> dumbledore comes in then says that that was awesome he asks if harry still has the angst and harry says that he can appreciate life a little bit more then hermione comes in she asks what that smell is ron says that it's snape's greatest potion yet they all laugh and then Dumbledore ascends into the sky yep. which I didn't see coming <laughs> <laughs> and then Harry just turns to the other two and says everyone make a wish and that's the end of that one yeah that that was a, a strange ending on that one <laughs> I loved it I didn't see it coming I totally forgot it and then I was 
confused and I wanted to know how they did it. Was fishing wire involved? Was there a cut? Like, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I was trying I was trying to work it out myself. Like, huh, how did they, what did they do there? <laughs> All right, Pass Mike, let's pump the brakes before we get into the next Potter Puppet Pals video because much like YouTube videos, we got to take a little bit of a break to hear a word from our sponsors in a segment that we like to call Wingardium Madridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Fubo TV. Let's say hypothetically that you are me, Mike Schubert, and you love basketball a whole lot. And it is the WNBA playoffs as well as the NBA playoffs at the same time. And you want to be able to watch these games in high definition as easy as possible. What can make that possible for you? Fubo TV. Fubo TV is how you should be watching TV. You can get everything you want all in one place for less than the cost of cable. They have the major broadcasts and cable networks, so you can find all of your shows, including live sports and news. I have been using it to watch lots of basketball, and I'm very happy with it. I also appreciate that I can pause it, I can record games, I can go back, I can fast forward. It's just a great experience for me, a basketball boy that loves to see replays, make my own replays by hitting rewind, and skip through commercials afterwards. With FuboTV, you'll never miss your favorite primetime shows like This Is Us, The Bachelor, The Masked Singer, etc., and it's no risk to try it out. Right now, FuboTV is offering Potterless listeners a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to FuboTV.com slash Potterless. There are no contracts and you can cancel at any time. So go to FuboTV.com slash Potterless for 15% off your first month and that seven day free trial. That is F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash Potterless. Get that free trial, get 15% off your first month and watch Sue Bird destroy the Las Vegas Aces in the form of basketball today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So the next one that came in the series is the most popular by far. It has like 192 million views on YouTube, something obnoxious. And it's the one that most people are probably familiar with, which is the Sound of the Mysterious Ticking Noise, which is the purely musical episode where Snape comes in, there's a ticking noise the whole time in the background. He asks what's the mysterious ticking noise, and then he starts doing the Snape, Snape. Snape. Then you have Ron come in and Hermione come in and Dumbledore and Harry comes in with the what I would identify as the rap verse, which is my favorite part. <laughs> I've <laughs> the, never heard it referred to that way. I love it. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Ooh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got Snape and Harry yelling back and forth at each other. Dumbledore comes in and he's naked for some reason. You know, it's what Dumbledore does. How he rolls. Then there's another great moment, and especially if you're wearing headphones, Hermione does basically a rainbow shape across the screen and just says, Hermione. And while she does, the audio in your headphones actually goes from left to right in a pan, which is very good. Then Ron finds the source of the ticking. It turns out to be a pipe bomb. It explodes. Voldemort rises from the ground, maniacally laughing, and then sings his own Voldemort song to the beat of that old lollipop song. And that's the mysterious ticking noise video. <laughs> one of the most watched, well, not really anymore, but for a while, one of the most watched YouTube videos of all time. Yeah, from that sweet 2006 era where there were 12 videos on YouTube and this was one of them. <laughs> yeah. This, Charlie Bit My Finger, that old guy doing all the dances, you know, yeah, YouTube. The history of dance. No, the um, Dumbledore being naked, that's a throwback to the Flash videos. You got to watch the Flash ones because oh. in the Bother video, it ends with... Dumbledore like says like it's naky time and his robe comes off and there's like the sort of circus sounding music. Okay. So that's like a throwback to that. And in fact, another puppet insider detail is that Dumbledore is the only puppet with removable clothing. I, I felt like that was to. the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple other like fun facts about mysterious ticking noise. One is that when Neil and the puppets perform at live shows. He usually writes a whole new sketch. Like he doesn't really perform ones that are on YouTube. They're they're like brand new things because sometimes he has to fill a lot more time. But often he will kind of end the sketch with an encore of mysterious ticking noise. Like people, you've got to right. Yeah, gotta give the people what they want. But the thing is, when they're flying to different places and going through the airport, they can't bring a prop pipe bomb ah. so they always have to make one and so there's been like many a time i've been at a conference and like you know head over to hang out in their hotel room it's like oh neil what are you doing oh i'm making a pipe bomb because you just <laughs> like have to make it on site anywhere <laughs> you know they travel somewhere yeah traveling with the puppets through tsa is interesting because oh. you know they they will not check them and risk losing them so they've just like they all have these big carry-ons and then the, you know security will open them up and there's just these puppets staring back at <laughs> the tsa officer i like to imagine they have one of those big Big fancy cases with the custom cut out foam shapes that exactly perfectly 100% fit the puppets and there's no wiggle room at all. Yeah, keep believing that. I won't dispel that whatsoever. I also like don't want to describe what the cases actually look like because I feel smart, like there could smart, be some smart. weird security, like, you know, some fan listening next time when we're back at conferences, someone will see a bag and um, I mean a steel suitcase. Mm -hmm. I actually, I got to be Snape doing the mysterious ticking noise in December. It was 
high honor. That is the highest. Pr- that put that on the top of the resume. My <laughs> goodness. Yeah, I, got, I learned like the exact choreography because again, like the blocking is just who's where at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for this sketch, they didn't do the whole thing. It was literally just Snape hears some jingle bells, and he's like, "Oh, what's that mysterious jingling noise?" Uh, and then by the time he gets to like Snape. Snape Severus. Pff, then he got hit by a reindeer. So that's nice. <laughs> the Christmas version. But I got to I got to learn the little bit and hear the audience go absolutely wild when they thought it was happening. Gosh, it was a really fun experience. Incredible. Oh, it's so fun. It's a really good video. If anyone hasn't seen it, go watch yeah. it. We'll put links to all these in the episode <laughs> description, obviously. But you got to check them. We, we're not doing them justice. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just retelling a modern puppet sketch definitely <laughs> is nowhere near the same as actually enjoying them. For real. So we will now cover the final of the big four that I wanted to discuss in this video. And that is Wizard Swears, which is another one of the bigger ones. And this one I thought I had remembered and I just straight up did not. It's very (laughs) different than my memory serves. It starts off with a little warning on the screen that says rated PG-13 for language and boyish attitude. When I saw that at first, because I was, you know, I was also going back to watch some of these and watch some of the other older ones. I was like, I thought that that was serious because it was like, oh, this is going to be a more explicit video or something. And then I started realizing, like, I think that was just a joke because we were talking about swearing and swear words being banned because I went back and watched like other ones that had come out both before and after this video that were, I would say, the same level of a PG-13 rating and did not have that screen before time. So that was just a joke, right? I think so. The only thing I thought in the moment was, oh, this one came after ticking noise and ticking noise seems like something that kids would like Mm. so maybe it was a thing of we want to make sure that people don't have the wrong idea about this youtube channel but i then remembered that the ticking noise one ends in everyone exploding via pipe bomb so i don't know that that's uh (laughs) yeah but this is how this is how mpaa ratings have always worked of like people (laughs) can die and there can be like awful violence or even just like cartoons getting exploded by a pipe bomb that all happens all the time that's fine that can be rated g but swearing and sexual themes is when you get into the the higher ratings it's so strange what gets bleeped and what does not and the things we will show on tv we can't have a cursor but we'll have people you know getting stabbed to death in a horror movie just on at any hour of the day and that's okay but no (laughs) someone says shit and we we have to completely edit the movie yeah i've even heard an interesting argument about how like cartoon deaths should actually be like rated higher than like maybe a dramatic movie where you see the consequences of what happens with violence because like that's a thing that can confuse like very young kids is like oh you can shoot someone and nothing happens because it's fine versus like what actually does happen um and i do think it would probably be a little traumatizing to be like okay here's a here's a drama movie about death that is rated g but i thought it was an interesting argument about like what is good for kids and i don't know i do remember growing up i watched when i was a teen there was a cartoon for the comic static shock that superhero he has electricity powers and he can fly on sewer grates as like a skateboard basically it's very cool it's it's it was very cool and right at my alley when i was 12 but there's <laughs> an episode where his friend his like sidekicky guy he's this nerdy white kid sidekick and he gets shot with a gun and he just like falls down immediately and screams in pain and not like in movies where they just kind of walk and then are still okay and stuff and he's just straight up like this hurts a lot <laughs> and it was like pretty real But uh, as a kid, it was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. 
because I had seen action movies and it seems like people can just take a bullet and it's like, ah, ow, and then they keep going. But yeah, as a kid seeing a cartoon where it's like, oh, right, that's probably what would happen. Yeah. It was informative. Yeah, more of that. But anyways, wizard swears. <laughs> we do anyway, see some bleeping enough- as well in, in, in this shit video. We do. There's quite a bit of bleeping. So it opens with Ron and Hermione doing... I don't know how else to describe this except for the Oompa Loompa dance Mm. where it's just like up, down, up, down with some polka music. And then Harry comes in and they just stop. (laughs) This was so funny to me. (laughs) It it just like, there's no reason for them to be doing this. I thought it was just purely hilarious. (laughs) Harry comes in, they stop. Harry says that Dumbledore posted a list of words that are banned at Hogwarts. He says that he didn't know that wizards had swears. And Hermione, with a great response, says, of course they do, Harry. They're called wizard swears. Yeah. <laughs> the redundancy and like simplistic language is always so good. It's so fun. Ron then provides an example. He says, oh, like cauldron bum. And then there's some other ones such as son of a banshee and swish and flicker. Of course, Snape then hears them cursing. So he comes in and he says that he heard foul mouthedness. And Harry blurts out Voldemort's nipple, which upsets Snape. And he takes... 500,000 points away from Gryffindor, (laughs) which is beautifully ridiculous. Yeah, but Dumbledore (laughs) will give him back at the end of the year. (laughs) Dumbledore will be like, ah, Harry, I see your shoes are tied. Three billion points. (laughs) Ron has a bit of a pause and then just says, dragon bogeys. And they all slowly turn and look at Ron. Harry says, everybody run. They scream out, expecto patronads, and they run (laughs) away. That's my favorite. I love that (laughs) And then Snape just lets out a sigh and he goes, rabble rousers. (laughs) So the squad then runs into Neville, who I had written in my notes, is this a potato on a stick? So it's a squash? It is a butternut squash. It feels so small to be a butternut squash. Either that or the puppets are a lot larger than I had previously thought. Yeah, like even if you know they're not finger puppets, I think people think they are smaller than they actually are. So just, you know, imagine a butternut squash and then you've got the... I also, Neville's birthday is a really good one um, that Neville is obviously in and there's multiple Nevilles in that one, but they all wear birthday hats and so do the puppets and they fit about the same. And also, you really like the sort of stereo sound. You should definitely listen to Neville's birthday. There's some okay. great audio work in that. But yeah, Neville is a butternut squash. I assume they've made multiple of They have him. made lots of <laughs> Neville. So I guess I misspoke before. There have been lots and lots of Neville's <laughs> made. Emmy always draws it on with Sharpie, his little like arms and, and shirt and face. They've used Neville in live shows a number of times. And what's fun is sometimes at the end of a live show, if it's like the last night of tour or whatever, they'll auction it off for charity, usually to the Harry Potter Alliance. Amazing. And so that's fun. And there have been people sort of like who who bought Neville will report of how long Neville indeed lasts. I would eat him right away. I would instead report how good Neville tastes. Butternut squash is delicious. That happens in Neville's birthday in that video. <laughs> we find out indeed how good Neville tastes. Um, I will say there was one year, I think just for like Instagram fodder, we carved a Neville like a pumpkin. Oh, cool. That did not turn out well. That was very, oh, no. very difficult. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Oh, because they actually used a butternut squash that feels impossible to carve it kind of was i mean pumpkin is a squash so like we're like carving and and even you know the history of jack-o'-lanterns they weren't originally carved as pumpkins they were just all manner of squash so there's a precedent for it but i think butternut squash in particular is difficult especially because the tools we have adapted for jack-o'-lantern carving 
are actually aimed more at the traditional jack-o'-lantern-pumpkin. But anyways, that's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but yeah, you know, now that I have gone with them a number of times to the grocery store to pick out Nevilles that they, they need for performances, I cannot look at a butternut squash without, like, rating it in my head of, like, oh, would that make a good Neville? Or... <laughs> uh, it's so fun. I also would imagine that whoever gets stuck puppeteering Neville is in for a true arm workout because butternut squashes are dense. They can be, yeah. Now, I've I've never been a, a puppeteer on a Neville performance. I do know like Hagrid is very big. So I feel like Hagrid and Neville are probably the, the most difficult. The day they came up with making Neville a butternut squash. I mean, that, <laughs> that is some kind of creativity. It's ridiculous. So yes, they run into Neville. Ron says that they are saying wizard swears and Neville says that his grandma forbids him from doing so. HP calls her a blast-ended skank and Neville is mortified. <laughs> Hermione tries to console Neville saying that Harry doesn't mean it. And then Harry, and what I just love, and this is, as you mentioned, just the comedic use of using the puppets as they are, which are puppets where their faces can't move. When they do things like this, it's so funny. Harry just turns and then what appears to be just in a cold, lifeless stare <laughs> says, I mean every word I ever say ever <laughs> because I'm Harry Potter and then thunder and lightning crash. Yeah, it is remarkable, like a combination of just excellent writing and Neil's voices and especially the sound effects and the music cues that you can have these puppets whose faces do not change somehow have so much emotion behind them. It's ridiculous the range that they do for these puppets that literally cannot move. Yeah. I mean, and like sometimes, especially as watching back the older videos, they've put like, you know, little pieces of paper to change their mouths on occasion. But in a moment like this, like his, his face did not change. And yet the power of that statement. What starts as a cute smile turns into evil, maniacal, <laughs> cold hearted. <laughs> so Harry then bullies Neville into saying a curse word. Neville goes with Hagrid's butt crack, and then Harry again in a very serious tone says, you sicken me. Hagrid is ten times the man you'll ever be, Neville. And he tells Neville to leave and to never come back. And in a moment that felt very much in line with a very Potter musical, Hermione and Ron go, yay! <laughs> so Ron then says Harry is ripe with boyish attitude today, so they decide to do what else but a prank phone call. And a fun note is Hermione and Ron pull in sideways into the frame when Harry's making the call, which is just fun. They're at like a 90 degree angle in the video, which I think is just great use of video framing. But they call Voldemort, and all they do is say leprechaun taint, and that is it. <laughs> Nothing else is said in this prank call. It makes Voldemort very upset, and he says, again, very similar to a very Potter musical says that he's going to call the wizard law and they will take the three of them to wizard jail. So just throwing wizard in front of stuff, you Always know, because that's play. how Hogwarts works. Snape comes in with Dumbledore. Hermione says, oh, unicorn turds. And then, of course, an organ starts playing while Snape starts monologuing about why swearing is bad and why he is out to stop it. This upsets Harry. He says, muggle fucking troll shit, Snape. And then calls him a floppy, wanded, dementor, buggerer. <laughs> I love the floppy, wanded, anything like that. <laughs> floppy, wanded, just, mm, it's perfect. Then, again, there's another pause before Ron says a swear, and he just says, Dobby's sock. And <laughs> that is all. Snape then wants them to be expelled. Dumbledore says, I'll let them have their fun. So Snape leaves. And... Harry says, Dumbledore, you're obscenely old, right? And asks him if he knows any ancient wizard swears. So Dumbledore then reveals the Elder Swear, which you must never repeat to anyone. And this one is littered with 
censorship beeps in between. But the things in between the beeps that make their way through, and I did confirm this because there is a lyrics website that has the lyrics to this. Oh my gosh. So I was able to... <laughs> I was able to confirm. It is long enough to be a song. It, is, it goes on forever. It is quite lengthy. Your mother is a beep, ing, beep, lorem ipsum, which is, gosh, so funny. Yeah, it's, it's so the good. auto text that usually fills when you do website editing, which I did make sure. It's not actually Latin. It's fake Latin, just so that it certainly has no actual translation. I mean, I took Latin in high school, so like I'm well-versed in this kind of stuff, obviously. But mm. they've taken a Cicero poem and sliced it up to where it doesn't make sense. So Lorem Ipsum as a call-out just felt wonderful and feels like a very Neil, nerdy internet move. Mm -hmm. Goes on to say, beep, adminum venium, which I didn't know what it was. And when I Googled it, the only result was this lyric so i don't know if that's in anything else or if it was just nonsense words that happened to have been picked up or i spelled it very very wrong uh then another beep traguna beep hippopotamus beep republican beep ing daniel radcliffe beep with a bucket of beep in a castle far away where no one can hear you beep soup beep with a bucket of beep mickey mouse beep and a stick of dynamite beep magical beep alakazam that is the broken, censored part that we can hear of the elder swear. <laughs> I think my favorite part is soup because it came in the middle of a string of like very long installments in between the beeps and then you just get soup. <laughs> like, and it's kind of like softer. <laughs> it's like, cracked me up. It's just very creative. The beeps are a different length. There are times where it is multiple beeps with little pauses in between. So you have the understanding that's multiple mm -hmm. words. There's sometimes where it's just one continuous beep. It's a very creative use of the same joke, just in different ways. Yeah. And then Dumbledore warns the kids to never repeat it. And then what else do they do? <laughs> they say they promise that they're not going to. And immediately they all start saying it. And that's the end of this video. And that's the end of this episode of Potterless. Uh, so Jackson, how do you feel just about covering Potter Puppet Pals, all these videos, Wizard Swears in particular, anything other overarching thoughts about these wonderfully wholesome, silly, goof-filled videos? I mean, they're they're just so wonderful. And it this was a great opportunity to like watch some back. Like Mysterious Ticking Noise, I could I probably could write recite in my sleep at this point, but a lot of the other videos, um, you know, I've forgotten about. And there's I think there might still be some I haven't even really seen. I had the worst habit of like actually not even seeing any of the live shows that I had been to because <laughs> I was always like doing other work. That was like a running joke. Like until I finally puppeteered this last year, I don't think I had actually seen or no, I used to say I had never seen one of their live shows. And then they were like, you were in one once. And like I didn't even remember it. Um, so I think it goes to show how sometimes you can like experience something and be less of an expert than someone who's like a fan or who has studied it. But yeah, it's just so wonderful. And, and you know, Neil and Emmy and Alora and everyone who's been involved over the years are, are just great, wonderful people. And Neil is a freaking genius. Mm -hmm. Definitely, again, got to recommend mouth sounds and, you know, anything Neil does, all his weird Twitter bots and stuff. I also have to say, I think, you know, it's tough to pick a favorite of my Potter Puppet Pal videos, but one that I would recommend that people have maybe missed is the most recent one, which was a music video posted oh, it's so last good. summer, I think. And it's it's a Harry and the Potters song, but it features Kimya Dawson, who, if you don't know her by name, she's amazing, but you might know her from the Moldy Peaches, and she did a lot of the songs on the Juno soundtrack back in the day. Um, so yeah, she plays Hermione, and Harry and the Potters are Harry, but then the puppets perform and it's just it really shows the evolution of both neil's work and the puppets over the years like mm -hmm. watch 
one of the early puppet videos and then go watch that and just be amazed at how even like YouTube and technology has evolved over the years. Yeah, but I have to give credit to Neil for videos made in 2006. Mm -hmm. These are incredibly high production value. Yes, maybe the video quality isn't as good, but the sound quality is just Mm -hmm. fantastic. And I'm very impressed with how well a 14 year old video aged they're good stuff yeah and especially just like the content and the comedy to hold up all of those years later even through the franchise itself being a bit tainted for for these to still be so beloved and i mean i guess it's easy for us to say that as people who liked them as kids i think kids watching them now still like them too we'll we'll have to ask a token kid (laughs) kid we need a kid correspondent i mean at LeakyCon, which now is attended by many a children there were a lot of young people going wild for the Potter Puppet Pals show That's true. that I caught a little glimpse of. So I think it's a timeless thing that people still enjoy. I think they do. So yeah, super impressive to hold up over all these years and still be going. Mm-hmm. Well, Jackson, thank you so much for joining and taking the time and sharing some fun behind the scenes stories. If people want to find you doing stuff on the internet, podcast wise, book-wise, where can they do so? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Anyone who wants to keep up with anything else I do, I am Jack Is Not a Bird on all the social media, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm also the host of a daily podcast called The Kotki Ride Home, where I just share about 15 minutes of like cool things that happen in the news every day. And yes, my book, which is a memoir of my experiences as a trans person and also a professional Harry Potter fan, uh, is called <laughs> Sorted, Growing Up, Coming Out, Finding My Place. And you can find that at uh, you know, your local bookstore, bookshop.org, wherever you get books library request it from your library isn't there a uh, isn't there a paperback I, I feel like I saw something where it became a paperback and then you changed one of the quotes from JK to be from Dumbledore wasn't that something <laughs> um so it did just come out in paperback uh last month and I didn't change that but so what happened is you, books you know sometimes start with a quote at the front and when I originally wrote the book once I decided on the name Sorted, I thought, oh, there's this Dumbledore quote that would be excellent to introduce the book. And so it's the Dumbledore's, sometimes I think we sort too soon. Mm-hmm. And not on a knock on J.K. Rowling necessarily at the time, just because I wanted it to be clear this was coming from Dumbledore and not like something J.K. Rowling had said in an interview or something. I was like, hey, how about we write J.K. Rowling, but then we cross out her name and write Albus Dumbledore. Because oh, my wow. book has like the, the design elements in it, like has my old journals, it has like handwriting and crossing out and stuff. So it worked aesthetically with the book. And so that was in the original uh, first edition of the book. It only has one edition, but in the original printing. But then when the paperback came out, my editor was like hey i have this fun idea for the back why don't we move that dumbledore quote to the back of the book just right on there and i thought that was really funny and i think that was after jk rowling's tweets in december so i was like you know what I have gotten a great reception from people that this was an unintentional fuck you to J.K. Rowling. Yeah, what, what, and like, an, you're, you're, you were so good at dissing her, you didn't even know you were doing it at the time. Yeah. Like, it, it's like the fine wine of disses, like it aged into being great. Yeah, like it, it wasn't <laughs> intentional, slightly intentional to make it a more prominent thing for people to see. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's, it's been well received. And I think, even though that wasn't the intention, I think people might pick up the book in the bookstore and at first maybe like, oh, I don't know if I want to support Harry Potter now. And then they see her name crossed down on the back and maybe they'll be like, oh, this is the book for me. Look, it's working marketing wonders. You gotta, <laughs> it's not the journey, it's a destination and it's doing great stuff. <laughs> well, Jackson, thank you so much for coming on and thanks for sharing your expertise in the beginning. I really appreciate that. And I'm certain the listeners will as well. So thank you so much. Listeners, thanks for listening. And as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they 
discover the root of the mysterious ticking noise. Wizard on! Awesome. Hey, I said in the beginning of the episode, but please go out and vote. If you are eligible to vote in the United States, please do. You can plan for that at vote.gov. The deadlines are coming up for requesting ballots if you're going absentee or for changing your address or making sure you're registered. Lots of deadlines are fast approaching. So go to vote.gov, set up everything you need to so that you can vote. And then when the time comes, vote. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha, Rose Wants on Feel You, Rosemary, Dodge Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Riveton, Nier, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Alex Consilver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alford, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shetter, Marta Morrison, Maya, Flor Sake, Georgia Davis, Sky Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Haskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marco Cepeda, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeal, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Jarl Sviven, Peter McGrath, Jan and Rose Dab, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Melissa Rab, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Sharabat, Melanie Zulhreif, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kitas, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra. Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Lior Nachum, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Calista Delano, Jennifer Terzi, and Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jericho Law, Casey Canales, Megan Stempen, Zat, Jack Skitzes, Sophia Lyon, Dane Nemcher, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chick Parm, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Alaria Vicentin, Lori, Gregory Hughes, The Real Stan Chunpike, Caw Caw, Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, Ashley Summers, Your Friendly Neighborhood, Ravenclaw, Gavin Miller, Jack Parr, Serenity, Allen, Emily Quinlan, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Sean Allen, Jenny Browers, Laura, Mazel Tovhila, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Kirsten R. Cunningham, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Hunter Gordon, Mary Price, Artemis, Trans People or People, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Butter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Kambamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. Bonus content lives at patreon.com slash potterless, and merch lives at potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, you reach out directly saying, hey, I think you would like the show, or you just leave a rating and review online, those really help. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.